Welcome back to the MAD Podcast, a series of conversations with leaders from across the machine learning, AI, and data landscape with Matt Turk, partner at First Smart Capital. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Milos Rusik, CEO of DeepSet AI, for a conversation about DeepSet's origin story as a bootstrapped company, a deep dive into the Haystack open source project and DeepSet's cloud platform, and emerging applications for NLP and LLMs in the enterprise. As always, if you're liking the MAD podcast, please go ahead and leave us a rating or a comment. Now, without further ado, here are Milos and Matt. Welcome, Milos. Uh, today, we are going to talk about the deployment of LLMs uh, and NLP in the enterprise. Mm. You are the co-founder and CEO of DeepSet AI, a startup building products, technology, and solutions for NLP-enabled applications. You are uh, based in Germany, but expanding globally. And you just announced uh, last week a Series B uh, round of financing led by my friend James Wise at Balderton, uh, mm-hmm. making it a total of $45 million uh, raised to date across the A and the B. Uh, so congratulations on all of this and the uh, early momentum. So I always like to start those conversations uh, with the origin story Mm-hmm. Uh, companies and um, you guys have a very interesting one in particular I believe uh, you started in 2018 and you were effectively bootstrapped for for a bit so do, do you want to go into this of course happy to do that um so uh, I met my co-founder our CTO Malta back then in university that's um 2013 2014 uh 10 years ago and after university, both of us actually pursued careers in machine learning. We have a background in, you know, applied mathematics, stochastics, statistics. It was somehow uh, very clear uh, and, you know, an adjacent space to go into machine learning. So we worked for different companies in that space. And Malta was the one who actually worked for um, a company that was building online recommendation engines. So natural language processing of an earlier generation but really like production grade systems, you know, handling multiple million requests per day. And he was the one who excited me a lot about, about this discipline of, um, of using machine learning to understand language and process it in form of text or also speech. So in 2018, when we decided to build DeepSet, um, the vision or the view on the world we were having was somehow very obvious to us. So all of these capabilities we see today that we have very powerful models that we can simply use human language to interact with our data to send commands to a machine this was pretty much i don't know obvious we didn't question use cases too much if i'm honest we had a little bit of a i don't know technological sense if you will uh if you're deep into a space and we spend then a lot of time actually in the space you feel everything is moving so fast you feel there's so much progress it was a little bit like probably like 2023 already for us. Uh? And um, we somehow felt that there will be big advancements in in, in deep learning and natural language processing. Um, and they will probably enable, you know, a vast majority of use cases and they will make it way easier and you know, enable companies to be way faster in the way they adopt these technologies. What wasn't clear to us is 
how this new way of uh, you know natural language processing advancement is in the end going to find its way into this vast majority of use cases. And in order to figure that out, we felt that we should probably start by building NLP systems for various use cases and enterprises. And this is how we got started. And this is also how we financed ourselves until 2021, when we raised our first round of financing. We were Was it as a consulting uh, kind of uh, way, almost? Exactly, exactly. We worked for companies like Airbus, um, many federal authorities in Europe, um, software providers uh, in Germany, building all kinds of systems, all time and material, as you say, um, it was consulting, we went in, we scoped the problem, we, you know, looked into what do we find in open source communities, which tools are around, what can we use, how can we assemble and build a solution for them. And then really, we started building that solution. Huh? So it was great learning experience. And at the same time, also our financing strategy. And while we were doing it, um, end of 2018 already, actually, our hypothesis became somewhat reality, right? You are well aware about what happened. Google released BERT, the first of its kind transformer. Uh, we were among the early contributors also into hugging face transformers. And this was when we felt, hey, this is this is somehow, you know, this is a new level of technology maturity. And this is what we were waiting for. So we exposed ourselves a lot to this technology. We only built applications for customers with transformer models. And then end of 2019, um, we somehow, you know, reflected and tried to find a common denominator in the way we were building these transformer-based NLP systems. Uh? And this is how we came up with Haystack, uh? because Haystack was, um, we understood that, look, there is somehow always a set of components you need, which is not just a model, but it's also like for example, a database where you store um, where you store store your text, and then you need to pre-process the text, and you need to serve the model with the text, right? So we understood there are these different components. And and, and, and uh, just uh, to make it um, uh, clear to people that may be listening to this, so Haystack is your open source project, exactly, uh, which is. Uh, Maybe my words not not yours, but like an orchestration framework to make everything work together to be able to deploy an LP in percent. Uh, that's that's exactly what it is. You orchestrate all components you need from models to databases. Usually a system consists of multiple models also in a row. If we look right now at retrieve log manta generation, that's actually a nice example where you see you have your data, but then you usually have like this retriever, and then you have a model that you know generates on top of this retriever. So there are two models in, in okay. a row, if you will. And to reflect such architectures and build such systems, this is where we built Haystack in the end. Okay, okay great. So we'll, we'll double click on the Haystack in a, in a second, but um, just to mm -hmm. let you finish the story. So you were consulting and uh, you started building Haystack during the consulting days. Exactly. And then of course we focused on, you know, only continuing our consulting uh, throughout 2020 by utilizing Haystack, so um, by using our own product. And this was a time when we helped actually many companies to really move into production with Haystack. And this was a new layer of learning that we made, uh, that we again, same approach, somehow tried to bake into a product. And this is when the idea for DeepSet Cloud came up because we realized that while Haystack is the tech stack to build these full stack NLP or LLM applications, um, you still have a, process that you have to follow right there are still certain steps that you have to perform you have to iterate over these components you have to see which component is now the best fitting for my use case 
what should I change? Where is it performing well? Where is it performing bad? Once you identified your ideal application, you have to move it to production. You have to constantly monitor it. And probably you also constantly want to update it based on the learnings from production. And this is really like a full workflow that is required around the two life cycles of experimenting and developing an LLM application, running it in production. And uh, it was also quite obvious to us that uh, the only meaningful way to adopt uh, to adopt um, NLP and LLMs is in the cloud. And this is why it was clear that this platform we're envisioning needs to be a cloud platform. And this is what we wanted to build. And this is then um, this is then how we moved away from becoming a consulting shop to uh, becoming a true cloud product company, and then ultimately also a venture back company. Yeah. And while we're on the topic, I actually always uh, find those stories of bootstrapping to be fascinating, which maybe is a weird thing for for a VC. Uh, but uh, the how did you find the transition from consulting to uh, building product? Was a company small enough that it didn't really matter? Uh, you know, a typical way of thinking about those things is that, okay, the, the first few years, you create the DNA of the company. And if DNA is consulting, uh, evolving the DNA into product is, is hard. What was your experience? Um, we were, I, I would say it, was, it wasn't it was um, as hard for us. Um, on the one hand, the team wasn't super big at that point in time. I think we were like around 10 or 12 people. But this was because we used already a lot of the of the money not to invest further into consulting, but actually to build out product and early versions also also of DeepSet Cloud. Actually, early versions were already built while we were bootstrapped. Um, and then it's a bit, you know, the initial the initial aspiration. Why do you start it? Uh, and for us, it was always clear that we we're looking for a way to actually capture some bigger opportunity that wasn't really around at that point in time. You know, people weren't really aware what we we're talking about. No one knew the abbreviation. NLP, LLM, this abbreviation wasn't even born. Um, so, but we always had this aspiration. And this is why I have to say it was comparably easy to, in the end, um, pull the trigger on this shift. Great. All right. So let's uh, do a deep dive on the product. So we're going to start with Haystack, the open yeah. source uh, project as described. Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, is a very popular um, open source project with uh, 10.4 uh, thousand stars for people who care about the things and 186 contributors. And then we'll get into the, the, the cloud mm -hmm. product. But let, let, let's start with Haystack. Mm -hmm. uh, so we described at a high level what it is, but uh, maybe walk us through the different components. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let me um, let me explain Haystack best by, by focusing on a use case uh, and then engineering what it does so let's say you want to um let's let's say you have your your transcripts of your podcast and you want to actually enable people that visit your website to ask questions about the podcast they might want to ask uh, i don't know when did deepset get started uh, what was the year when the company was founded so what you have is you have first of all of course you have um, a model but this model let's say we take one of the GPT models that doesn't probably doesn't contain this information yet. Huh? So it hasn't been trained on your data. It doesn't have access to this knowledge. Now you have all of your transcripts and you think, okay, let's store them in a database, which can be, for example, a vector database and serve my podcasts to this model. Now you will run into a first problem, which is the model will probably not be able to consume the complete 
podcast as such and answer this question, right? And then the second thing is um, you continue your podcast, you have million of ep- millions of episodes, thousands of episodes. That's a very, very large index. So your computing time is going up if you are serving all of your podcasts to this model in order to just find this single fact. So what you do is you, on the one hand, have to pre-process your podcasts, right? You have to chunk them, to cut them into small slices, store them in this database. And the second thing is you need kind of a filter that is on top of your database. And this filter picks then probably only those pieces that are somewhat related to DeepSet or NLP and only serves out of these millions of slices only the, let's say, 10, 100,000 most relevant ones, ones to the model. And this model then takes those slices and generates an answer. And now you see a comparably simple application contains of a minimum of four processing steps, steps right? The chunking, the separate store, the retrieval step, and ultimately the, gener- the, the generator or reader model. Yeah? Now, Haystack gives people all of these components and there are more than just these four right for example if you want to make sure that there's not a that the model doesn't hallucinate you probably want a hallucination detector on top right something that classifies an answer and confirms is this answer really part of my database is it a true fact right or is it like the right fact the right year and that moment you have another component you add on top now haystack is the collection of these components and the logic to combine them under the hood of each component, you as a user can pick state-of-the-art technologies, right? If you want to use OpenSearch or if you want to use Pinecone or um, as a database, you can simply load it in. If you want to use an open source model from Hugging Face or if you want to use uh, GPT-3 for um, anthropic models, whatever it is, you can simply um, you can simply use them in this full-stack architecture. And this is what Haystack is. Yep. So it's bring your own database, bring your own LLM. Um, what databases uh, do you support? You have a list on the website. What's the? What are some of the key ones? Some of the key ones, definitely, of course, the most popular vector databases from Pinecone to Quadrant, we have eight, um, Milvis. Um, we also support, um, let's say, more traditional databases with vector capabilities like OpenSearch, Elasticsearch. Uh, it's actually changing uh, also quite fast. So yes. I, <laughs> I I often tend to struggle a little bit with what is now supported and what what is in the making. But that's like that's um, these are these are these are some of the most most popular databases we see. Yeah. And in terms of uh, LLMs, uh, I'm sure that list is evolving very quickly as well. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the key ones you support? Um, of course, the OpenAI models, um, which are in particular very well performing for um, all generative use cases. Uh, but we see uh, the Hugging Face models um, uh, from the Hugging Face Hub, um, the full hub is supported and are still very popular. Um, opens, of course, Haystack is an open source framework. We're big fans of also open source models. The more transparency we can create um, also around, you know, how models are, have been trained. You know, the more research we have around the model, of course, the more trust it creates and easier it is for companies to adopt. Um, uh, so yeah, also hugging face quite popular. But look, Cohere um, models, um, anthropic models, all of those are also supported. Great.
And how difficult is it actually to bring in a database or model? Like, do you need to create uh, like a custom integration each time or is that uh, uh, standardized to some level? Um, to be honest, it's, um, you know, the as, as, um, as the capabilities of the database is also mature, it becomes more and more individualized. Um, this is why we really, you know, invest also a lot in partnering with um with for example with the database providers such that it's somehow you know like a co-ownership of the integration where also the database providers support us a lot to make it a good experience to always keep the integration up to date but um yeah the products uh all of these products are maturing and also differentiating right um so it is becoming more and more of an effort to be honest to really manage this but this is also you know pretty much where the value proposition of something like haystack comes in right that somewhat body takes care for the user about it and the user can simply um pick what they want or what works best for them for a particular use case great all right so that's haystack let's talk about uh deep set cloud which is mm -hmm. the commercial product um yeah. a SaaS platform for an lp team so what what does uh deep set cloud do mm -hmm. um when you think about this uh, let's stick to the example we had in Haystack, right? We have this question-based question-based search for um, for your podcast. Now, the first thing you have to do is, right, you have to develop this application. That's the first big lifecycle phase you're in. And in order to develop it, what you have to do is, and that's common in, in all of machine learning, right, is experimentation, right? So this means you start to somehow evaluate the performance of these applications, and you try to you try it out with different parameters. For example, you will try out different models, right? You want to see, hey, for my podcast, what's the best option? Is it GPT three point five or is it um, is it uh, is it I don't know uh, one of the T five models from um, from the Hugging Face Model Hub? And in this moment, you need some process. You need to follow some process, right, to evaluate this and to make that choice. Now, in traditional machine learning, this is traditional machine learning, uh, whatever that is, but think about a time series problem, right? Time series prediction. It is kind of straightforward because you simply take a past, a past, um, a past time series that you observed about the phenomenon, let's say a stock price, you run predictions against it. And this is how you can iterate over your model, right? But how do you do it for a question answering system or summarization system, right? The application gives you something and is it good? Is it bad? Is it what users expect? Do they like it? So there is there is some more complexity around how you evaluate um, how you evaluate the performance of your applications, right? And it's a lot about having a, let's say, quantitative theoretical approach with gold labels in the more classic sense, but also actually being able to quickly run small end user tests, run A, B tests, all of these things. So you need a whole bunch of infrastructure and tooling to actually perform these experiments such that you can make your ideal choice. And this is one big one big chunk of tooling that you can find on DeepSet Cloud, right? And once you identify this ideal pipeline, you want to move it to production, right? So um, on DeepSet Cloud, that's a seamless experience. You press a button, you have your application in a full stack API and you simply integrate it into your website. But this is not where it ends, right? How do you make sure that in production, you don't see too many hallucinations. You don't see a degradation of the performance. For example, when your data changes, or let's say people talk about completely different technologies in five years, 
How do we make sure that everything is still in line with user expectations? All of these monitoring capabilities are also um, are, are, are also a part of DeepSet Cloud. And you see it's ultimately an endless cycle, right? So once you are in production, you probably will go back. You want to iterate again. New models come out. You want to test out new capabilities. Want to see if it makes sense to update. And in the end, this full life cycle is something that we support on DeepSet Cloud, where we call it a platform for AI teams is because we realize that it's not only a data scientist's job and it's not only a software engineer's job, right? These pipelines, these applications always end up being part of bigger products, chatbots, websites, internal knowledge bases, own software products. And this means that you always have, you need to have a product owner and a product manager in place that simply, you know, orchestrates this and orchestrates in the end a full team, right? That takes care about everything that is important to move to production. And it's not only the model performance, it's plenty of things that need to be in place. For the scaling part, uh, where you abstract away a lot of the infrastructure, uh, you know, the GPU stuff, the vector storage, um, give us a sense maybe for the level of maturity of that stack. Do, do you find yourself having to build all sorts of, uh, you know, key components of infrastructure just because it's a, it's a whole new world? Or is that more about putting together uh, different part that existed in, um, you know, in, in, in prior use cases and the, 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 the genius is to put the things together as opposed to building the, the Lego blocks. Mm. Um, look, I mean, in general, cloud infrastructure in general is of course a very mature space. Right. Um, and in the end, it's a lot about maybe even undifferentiated heavy lifting, uh, that is, that is behind what we're doing right this means maybe companies could help themselves with all of these components that are around but the question is is it worth the effort and is it like really the purpose of a bank an online media company whatever it is to build the teams build the expertise combine on take the ownership of this right as we have this expertise um in yeah making use of best of breed components and again we talked about the vector database and the models but it's a good point that you're mentioning here. What about scaling? What about, I don't know, cloud infrastructure, right? That somehow also needs to be set up. How do you make sure that your pipeline on DeepSeq Cloud scales if it scales from a thousand to a million requests or from a thousand to a million files that you want to index, right? All of this is definitely nothing that we invent from scratch. And there are great, great tools, great frameworks, great companies, right? That, that also develop this out there. So of course we rely on on um, we 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 rely on their work for sure. Yeah. Great. So plenty of um, exciting features part that are part of uh, DeepSet Cloud, uh, semantic search summarization, Q and A, all the things. Uh, th th this one that you alluded to a few minutes ago that I, I think is particularly cool and interesting. Uh, that's the hallucination detector, mm -hmm. retrieval augmented generation. Uh, do, you, do you want to talk about? Um, Maybe the hallucination problem in general and the way people have been fighting it, and then more specifically, what you guys do about it. Yes, of course. Um, so hallucination in general means um, you have your model and you want to, um, let's say, question answering system. You want to, you you want you have a question. You want to know a fact, right? And now you want to make sure that this model gives you the proper fact. And what we see is that models maybe 
don't give us the right fact. Uh, maybe they, you know, even don't know this fact. We often don't know it, right? Because it's often not really clear what has the model been trained on. And this means in the end, hallucination is more or less like, hey, does this say something that is simply not factful, right? This is something that is not tr true, right? Or not, yeah, not not real. That doesn't make sense. Um, the first, the first solution to this is to augment the model really with what you with your data right so when you want again like if you ask chat gpt um today about a question about your podcast it might hallucinate yeah we don't know if it has been trained on on transcripts of your podcast and uh, you know even if we don't know if it gets the right answer so the first thing is really limit what data it operates on and this is the idea also of retrieval augmented generation right so you have your corpus you hand over these documents and you can make sure that in the end at least everything that comes out of your application and everything that the model in the end spits out comes out of this document base this is what you know but still when you ask the question um uh, in which year was deep set founded into your into the transcripts of your podcast you know, it still can happen that it mixes things up and it says 2020, right? Which is which is not true. Um, and this is really uh, the, the the fact of, or the aspect of hallucination is a big blocker to really move into production. If you think about industries like financial services, where we have many, we see many risk management use cases there. Even if you think about something like customer support, online media, right? We have, um, we have many users and customers out of um, newspapers and online magazines. You want to make sure that you know these things are behaving the way you want them to behave right you want true facts you don't want also any any you know any racist um language or anything in there right so you really want to control for that and this is why we um introduced a hallucination detector this means there is a way of course to somehow classify a response and see hey is this response really in line with your underlying database does this really make sense will you find this fact that way and what's the likelihood of doing this right and if you are aware about this you have multiple options number one if you see that there's a hallucination you simply don't show an answer right and you say okay wait that doesn't make sense um the second thing is you can you can learn and understand what is it actually or what are questions or facts where we see a lot of hallucination right um uh that again can help you to somehow tweak it, to tune it, to you know add models to your application, improve retrieval probably, right, and make that um, make that more accurate, such that you can really correct um, correct um, correct hallucinations. But we really see that um, that's a big blocker for for productionizing also rack systems today, and um, that's where we introduced a hallucination node, and yeah, we want to give our users much security as possible when when they when they want to move to production right super interesting how do you think about um the pricing model for 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 this uh is this consumption based is that seed based uh, have you experimented with different options i'm just curious mm. um everything in 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 llm in the llm space seems to be consumption based um and uh, this is why we also so we we sell annual subscriptions of our product right now and um, that are in the end packages of um, different if you will consumption um behaviors right so for example i don't know um a customer wants 
one use case in production and wants to work on three further further use cases that's something we can somehow you know clearly quantify and we can somehow put it into one subscription but technically it's all about consumption right and this is in the end um i think what is probably the best metric to somehow reflect the value that comes out of these llm systems right because in the end the more requests a model get a model gets or application gets probably the more valuable it is the more data you load into it probably the more value you get out of it right because it's running on more and more data and it's somehow you know solving more and more of a pain so this is why um why really also like offering it in a more flexible consumption way is an next step for us and um and overall we think um it reflects the value that get comes out of these systems um, best right so maybe to close on the product part, uh, how do you think about what goes into open source versus what goes into the paid uh, cloud product? Um, it's really, right away, we're not following this open core approach, right? Where we say, um, where we say there are, so everything you build on DeepSet Cloud, every LLM application that comes out, you technically can also build it just by using uh, the open source framework, right? Because the architecture, the technical architecture, everything you need from API point, point from the one API point, which is query, and the second API point, which is upload the files data, all of this in between, that's open source. This will always be open source. Everything that is uh, tooling for a workflow, right? So how do we how do we support um, evaluating uh, how do we um what's uh, you know where how does the backend look like to track um a b tests um all of these all of these if you will organizational challenges right all of this management layer these are things that um that we simply see as as platform features and uh where we think it's it's um yeah that's that's simply of course you know usually also something a certain group of companies requires right i think not everyone in the comp in, in in the community probably will also use it because look if if you care so much around about the factfulness of your applications you're probably not a startup right um startups you know you want to ship fast you do whatever works best you assemble something it's shipped that's it right um if you are a big bank uh, you want to be quite sure on this right so this is like a you you see there is a bit of a different a different um a different uh different need and different requirement and this is you know where it makes sense to also say hey these things don't have to be open source because in the end not everyone who wants to succeed with haystack will require this uh, um but in the end everything that you need to really have an lm application like technically the full tech stack that will always be open source and this is right now our mental model but of right. course it's not it's not it's not always as easy as it might sound right now. <laughs> Not an exact science as it turns out. <laughs> uh, all right, let, let's uh, let's switch to uh, customers and go to market and, and all those good things. Um, maybe uh, starting with a general go to market uh, motion. So you mentioned uh, something that um, I thought was very interesting earlier, uh, the fact that you have uh, effectively selling to several personas. You have the... Uh, you have the ML AI people, of course, uh, but also the software engineers and then the product people. What 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 have you found uh, so far uh, works best in terms of like where you want to land and who's the key audience and 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 buyer ultimately for a solution like DeepSet? Mm. 
Um, Look, uh, even while being in consulting, um, uh, even then afterwards, when we launched uh, Haystack, um, we see we see um, we see strong adoption, really, like from from enterprises, um, from large companies, and this is pretty much how Deepseek Cloud as a product also, you know, has evolved and has been built. This means if we think about the segment, it's really like an enterprise platform and enterprise product where you have you know multiple teams, m- plenty of use cases. Um, you know, really high requirements to your application. And from a sales standpoint, that means um, we're often not really selling to our community members, right? So our community members are adopting Haystack and maybe they work for one big bank or big media company, whatever it is. Um, but what they what they in the end do is they, you know, they are the technological trust, right? This is, they say, this is a standard and this is a framework. This is technology we can really build our applications on because it's robust, it's reliable, all of these things, right? All of these tick boxes. Um, The bias, of course, usually someone higher up the ladder. And here we see that um, to sell into the enterprise, what you need is you really need a use case, right? And you really need to have clarity about the use case. And the best person to sell to is the person that is responsible for serving a use case. And this is a persona that we refer to as product owners or product managers, right? It doesn't need to be always that title because especially for internal products, right? For example, business intelligence stacks. uh, um, Or if you think about knowledge management uh, within enterprises, right? These things are products, right? And there is someone who owns, let's say, I don't know, the business intelligence or yeah, financial intelligence stack for a Fortune 500 enterprise. But this person is pretty much our buyer. This is the one who will talk to developer and say, hey, there's this platform. We can ship super fast. They say, I have all the tooling I need to individualize my application. It's built on this Haystack thing. What do you think about it? And then you want that someone says, oh, well, that's good stuff. Uh, maybe we even have a small application running, or at least we look into it. We read articles on it. We did some benchmarks ourselves yeah, we should build on this. We can build on this standard. But in the end, the actual sale and the actual buy happens actually through this um, through this persona who really is in an urgency to ship also, right, on this use case. Okay, uh, very cool. And speaking of use cases, um, maybe walk us through a couple. I, I saw um, Airbus for... Mm-hmm. Haystack, uh, and then I saw uh, months. Was it the law yeah. firm? Uh, curious how they use you to do what? Yeah. Um, so, in general, given that, so we see LLMs allow in the end for a multitude of use cases, right? And um, we see that this whole rack architecture is probably the first one that we really see. A, broad, massive adoption, right? Simply because it's all about accessing and, you know, somehow working with information that is already around. Um, And this is where we see like, you know, these are probably really like the first architectures that we'll see mainstream adoption. And given that um, these rock architectures are pretty much focusing on information industries with a lot of value or like, like really high value in information, are the ones that are really likely to adopt. And the first one, the first big industry, or if you will, vertical, is um, our companies that are selling information. And MANS is such a company. So what they do is they sell um, all legal information 
in the Austrian legal system to law firms, even to to um, to public clients, right, to the government. So that's what they sell information and knowledge. And what they do with DeepSet Cloud is they simply build features that improve the user experience for their customers. That makes it nicer for them to stay on months, uh, to maybe even offload more and more workflows to the product, right? That drive their retention up, that drive their attract attractiveness up. We're working Just better, better search, better summarization, that type of things. Yeah, exactly. So they're working on multiple features. One is exactly like um, a recommendation system. So you are a lawyer, you read about a certain a specific circumstance. Let's say, what are VAT regimes for, um, for patents, right? In that moment, you read about it. It's also interesting for you to understand VAT regimes around um, uh, IP in general, probably, right? Or around, I don't know, brands or trademarks, right? And such an intelligent recommendation system is one feature that they're running in production. They also are running right now a question answering system where um, a generative question answering system really like it's it's a true rec architecture um, where lawyers simply ask questions like, I don't know which paragraphs we'll look into when I want to solve a case for, yeah, IP, like well, make a VAT calculation for uh, for patents or whatever, right? Um, so multiple, multiple features. Um, uh, for Airbus, the case is, um, it's something they are working on. It's, uh, it's uh, probably something will take a few more years because it's all embedded in this overall vision of single pilot operations. And this means that one pilot and the cockpit needs to be able to, you know, have a very easy access to all the information that is essential to actually perform the flight. For example, you know, how are certain conditions on the ground? Also like technical things in handbooks, how do, I don't know, how to, how to, uh, what to do if this red light is on, <laughs> all of these questions, right? Um, and this is again where LLMs and in this case, um, also again, Haystack is a standard that enables Airbus to build such an application, right? And to really, yeah, simply be also more effective and overcome the shortage of pilots that we'll, we'll probably run into the future. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that those two examples are um, what you'd consider non-tech companies. I mean, obviously, Airbus is a, is a tech company, but they, they would directionally fall in the global 2000 category. Um, what's your uh, sense of the level of appetite uh, from the global 2000 versus the you know the the the, the typical playbook of selling to uh, tech uh, startups and, and scallops? Uh, where, where is the market? Mm -hmm. I think there's a market in both, right? In the end, I think it's simply two segments with different needs. And um, when you when you decide, what we only realize is when you decide to build a product in that space, you have to decide a bit earlier, and you have to you know somehow branch out uh, um, because uh, you know again certain requirements on I don't know how factfulness, um, you know how much control do I want to have over the application, all of these things. Of course, like a global 2000 is probably more likely to be willing to invest in this level of, of security also, right? And um, and that's actually why we focus on this on this segment. I think there is a market definitely also in selling to startups. It's probably less about allowing, you know, individualization. It's less about, you know, being a platform that allows them to also customize many things. I think it's more about offering something more standardized and easier to use, easier to run. Um, probably many companies that also offer point solutions will be will be will be very good often in that 
part of a segment. But in the enterprise space, we really see this, you know, value of a platform um, that allows people to utilize standardized components and build really customized solutions, if you will. Um, and yeah, it was in, in the end, it's I think it's it's a choice. I think there's there's gold in both segments or. Yeah. Great. Um, so what's next for for, for Deepset? So you just uh, raised uh, a, a very nice round. You guys have like plenty of um, uh, fuel to uh, accelerate growth. What, what's the plan? Um, plan is definitely uh, investing in our go to market. Um, for us, definitely uh, the last years were, um, you know, we had a very strong focus on, on developing and validating the product as well. Now we really want to double down on um, on the product maturity that we're having. And, and um, yeah, that means go to market. And of course, given we're like a European company, we also want to um, to expand to the US. Um, and that's that's pretty much where our focus is right now to really build out this go to market functions and teams um, in the US. Okay, awesome. Very exciting. All right. So uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. Maybe maybe to uh, close and sort of zooming out of, uh, of, of DeepSet, uh, yeah. what do you find um, particularly fun and interesting in generative AI in particular, but also AI in general these days, you know, like cool, I don't know, products, projects, companies, uh, whether they obvious ones or small ones uh, that uh, people should should know about and look into. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, there's a lot, as you know, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of stuff out there. Look, in particular, I think, um, uh, yeah, we 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 love this um, this somehow new space that is forming also in in the area of LLM um, uh, observability, right? So pretty much what I was also talking about with DeepSec Cloud, um, this idea of you know how to monitor applications in production, make sure that that you know everything works as you want. And I think, I mean, looking at the observability market itself, I'm always fascinated because there are so many players, so many big companies new companies that are founded, right? Uh, and, you know, observability is an endless market, it seems. And I'm very excited about LLM observability because I, I'm not sure if it's like just, you know, like a small sub-segment or if it's not actually, you know, an own an own massive market itself. Um, and um, it's definitely something where we see more of the younger, newer players coming in. One company, um, uh, one company I like is, for example, Context uh, from London, um, but um, but yeah, there are there are plenty of players around. But I think that's that's something that that um, yeah, that excites me. Where this is going, you know, how the products will look like, how they will differentiate. Because I think there's plenty of space for differentiation. Um, that's what excites me. Yeah, great. Maybe last question. Um, any thoughts, observations on the uh, AI scene in uh, in Europe? Uh, what you find exciting, less exciting? What's what's working out well? What's uh, you know needs to improve? I think we have great companies in Europe, and it's it's great to see also that um, you know many 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 AI players are getting funding. Um, I mean the Mistral round. I think it's a great it's great for Europe in the end, right? Uh, Hugging face um, is also still some kind of a, like yeah, it's it's actually still a European company, right? So. Um, I think we have we have great great potential, great companies, great ecosystems. Um, 
that's definitely going well. I think that Europe is that simply, you know, a bit more conservative in the way they adopt new technologies, right? And this is um, this is uh, usually then a bit harder for uh, for these companies to to you know to to grow in their in their home market, right? Um, or let's say differently, you can grow, but to <laughs> exceed and reach you know like very very ambitious growth levels. Um, so this is, I think, something that's um, that's not going super great. And I mean, there are plenty of reasons for that. I think um, it's um, it's definitely also to a certain degree culture, right? And maybe you know, maybe some skepticism is also healthy to a certain degree. But speaking speaking as a founder of an AI company, of course, we would love to see also a bit more appetite for adoption um, in Europe. And this is, I think, a bit a bit a bit hard. Yeah. Okay, very cool. All right, well. Uh, really uh, cool conversation. Really appreciate your joining us uh, on this episode of the Mad Podcast. Where, where people, where can people find you online? Uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Milos Rosic. I'm happy to, um, yeah, happy, happy, happy to connect. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, and uh, Haystack is on GitHub. Uh, so uh, also happy, happy if you visit visit me there. Um, but yeah, happy about making making connections after this podcast. Yeah. All right, terrific. Milos, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the MAD podcast. We're back here every Wednesday with new conversations with leaders in the machine learning, AI, and data space. And if you like this show, you can also find a video recording of not only this episode, but many, many more over on the Data Driven NYC YouTube channel. Thanks again and catch you next week.